Welcome to the ENA Podcast. This is the ENA Podcast, and this is Dan Campana, the Director of Communications with the Emergency Nurses Association, welcoming you back to our latest episode. Uh, and today, uh, I know I say this at every episode, you know, it's a fun one, it's an exciting one, but this one is unique in that um, I don't think I've had too many opportunities to uh, reconnect with somebody that I interviewed back in my days writing for ENA Connection. And uh, Michelle Patch, who is the cl a clinical nurse specialist who runs the uh, clinical, uh, is the coordinator for the clinical nurse specialist program at Johns Hopkins School of Nursing, is one of those people. Um, I talked with uh, Michelle a few years back about being a recipient of an ENA Foundation research grant. And today we're here to talk to her about the fruits of that scholarship or that, that grant, I should say, um, and her publication uh, in the May issue of the Journal of Emergency Nursing. So I don't want to spoil too much. I want to welcome in Michelle Patch to the ENA podcast. Thanks so much, Dan. I'm really happy to be here today. So uh, Michelle, as I mentioned, you know, we, we, we did an interview back in 2017 uh, when you were a recipient of an ENA Foundation research grant and your focus was really around uh, intimate partner violence and non-fatal strangulation, which, you know, at the time knowing, you know, where you were at in your career and get in, in receiving this grant, you were really excited about it. But uh, let's just give us a little bit of your background overall and, you know, talk a little bit about why IPV and non-fatal non strangulation was something that uh, rose to the top for you and things you wanted to do in terms of seeking out the research grant. Yeah, sure. So, so I've been a nurse for, uh, gosh, over 20 years. Um, and uh, after I got my, uh, my MSN, my master's uh, in, uh, as a clinical nurse specialist, but with a focus on forensics, I was then lucky enough to get a job in the emergency department. Um, now I'd never worked in an emergency department before, but I gotta tell you, I mean, that is some fabulous, fabulous stuff. And I ended up working at uh, Johns Hopkins Hospital's adult emergency department um, with the team there as their safety officer for 10 years. And in that time, of course, my background in forensics, my interest with you know, practice and emergency, um, I looked at a variety of things, not only from a patient safety perspective and a staff safety perspective. Um, and, and one of the things that comes up, of course, um, you know, is that uh, folks who have sustained some type of injury, whether that's you know, accidental or intentional, um, may come to the ED for care, right? Uh, and for some of those individuals, uh, you know, there may be a lot of challenges around recognizing what is the causative nature of that. And so whether it's intimate partner violence and domestic abuse or assault, child abuse, um, elder abuse, et cetera, those were all areas of great interest for me. So after some time I decide, okay, you know, I have tools in my toolbox, but I think I need more and I really want to go back to school and I'm going to go back for my PhD. Decision on that is a totally different discussion we can have at another point. But I go back and I say, okay, I want my PhD. So what am I going to do for my dissertation? And I was looking at different options. I looked at workplace violence. And I looked at, um, but something that rose to the top was this idea of strangulation 
survivors of strangulation who may come in for care and how do we recognize them? How do we treat them? What is the best way to approach this from a clinician perspective? And in talking with friends, colleagues, um, not only in RED, but in others, um, many would say, well, we don't see that. We don't see people that come in after strangulation. And that was really intriguing to me because I really wasn't sure that I bought that. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so maybe it was, maybe it was that they weren't coming in, but maybe it was that we were just missing it. And if we were missing it, then what kind of risk would that potentially introduce for those folks? So, so that's kind of how I got onto that path and met some incredible people and some great organizations that are really dedicated to this um, particular topic. Um, so I'll stop there for a second and see, am I kind of on the right track where oh, you yeah. want to go? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess the next question is, um, you know, when you're an emergency nurse and there's so much, you know, you're, you're continuing education, there's what you're seeing in the day-to-day, -day, you know, stress and the fast pace of an ED, uh, the leap to doing research is something that not everybody thinks about, or it might be intimidating, you know, to think about, oh, it's research. Ooh, that looks like it's, it could be a lot. I don't know if I'm qualified to do that. How is your head kind of connected to the idea of getting to the point of, you know, I want to do some sort of research work, you know, how do I do it? Because ultimately, you know, however you manage that in your own world, you got to the point where seeking out, you know, something like the foundation grant to support that work. So, you know, were you, uh, oh, I always thought I would do research or I never thought I was research kind of nurse. I, I really didn't. I mean, I, no, no, no offense to, to anyone, but um, you know, you, you get into it um, and for, for many, um, I would say it's, you know, you want to practice clinically, you want to help people. Right. And the way that you understand that you're going to help people is practice, right? Um, and then I think, you know, as nurses, for again, many of us, we get to a point where we say, you know, I have questions. And you learn how, again, to interpret the data, to understand what's out there, what's the evidence that is supporting what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and then you realize that the evidence that's out there is not, either isn't there at all, or isn't very strong, or isn't just really isn't answering that specific question for the population or the group that I'm interested in. And at some point, you know, because let me take a step back, that broader umbrella of inquiry has lots of different paths that you can sure. take. So you can certainly go like a quality improvement and evidence-based practice project, or you can go with research and research has a variety of flavors to it, right? Yeah. But, um, but so I said, you know, I, I think I have, I, the, what I need um, is to, find some unique um, and generate uh, information that just isn't out there right now um, versus let's look at a potential process improvement or quality improvement or no, I, I need to go a bit deeper for this population and better understand them so that then that can inform what are our next steps? What are our next questions? How do we start testing some of these, these potential interventions? But I would say nurses as a profession, you know, we are detectives and we ask questions 
every day, all the time. So it's almost a natural inclination. And for anybody who is a bit nervous, who's like, I could never do that. I'm telling you, if I can do this, you can do this. If it's your passion, you know, you have to go where your interest is and just get the right tools in your toolbox so that you have the power um, to be able to answer the questions and get that really great care to your patients, um, you know, with your multidisciplinary team. So, you know, I'm sure not everybody who's listening has a copy of the December 2017 ENA Connection to, you know, read about uh, your reaction to getting the, the foundation grant to go forward. But um, really, that was, a, that was a, a breakthrough. I know it has a scientific, you know, connotation to it, but that was a bit of a breakthrough that you felt like, hey, I'm on to something here because I got some, you know, somebody who believes in this and is willing to help provide some funding for me to go forth and do the work that I want to do. Uh, just kind of recollect that again, real, you know, real quick about, you know, mm -hmm. just that moment of, wow, there's a, you know, it's a small bit of validation that what I'm looking for here, you know, somebody else sees some, some value to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, at any point in your career, you have those moments where you, you kind of stop and you say, oh my gosh, am I, is it me? Am I the only one out there? You know, or you have the handful of cheerleaders, but others are just like, they look at you, you know, and they cock their head and they're, they just really are not quite sure. We have so many other priorities in, you know, in an emergency department day by day. Why are you looking at this of all things? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so when you go back to school, guys, one of the things that you have to do is a dissertation. And in order to do the dissertation, many times you need some degree of funding, depending on what it is that you're studying, um, in order to support, you know, going forward and getting that done. And I applied for a few grants. Um, and one of them that I was really excited about um, was the ENA Foundation grant. So here I am. So part of my, my other, my day job, right? Because I still worked through school, by the way, another whole conversation <laughs> and you can do it, was um, part of my job in the ED was also to work with our medical malpractice insurance company. And so I was actually in New York City at the time and I was in Penn Station and I was trying to come back to Baltimore and I had kind of sketchy, you know, connectivity on my phone. And I'm, I'm, you know, going through my emails, la, 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 and all of a sudden, this email came up, and it was, it was from ENA Foundation, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get another rejection, and, and I opened it, and they said, we are so, you know, uh, congratulations, we're excited to tell you that you are the recipient of this foundation grant, and I swear, I like started to tear up, I'm like, I'm in public, I can't believe it, I, wait, what? Um, and then like my connectivity dropped again. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, I read something wrong. And I'm like trying to go outside and get, um, and it was just this moment of folks get it. Like that there is somebody that believes in this as an issue, as an issue that um, is uh, under, perhaps underappreciated and that they were willing to support with some funding to get answers for, for these patients. Um, so I was besides, beside myself um, with that. Uh, and, and then it really, it did help uh, to be able to, um, you know, to, to launch that research. And, um, 
So that was a mixed method study. And what's coming out in the May issue is um, a quantitative part of the study where I looked at a uh, the largest um, uh, open access all payer database in the country uh, for ED visits. And I said, okay, well, of all the visits across all the years that they've had this, so I looked back from 2006 when it started till the 18, 2018, or 16, excuse me. And I said, okay, let's say all of these who have a code for coming in for a visit for intimate partner violence, let's look at all those for women and then let's look at the subset of those that have strangulation. Um, so I don't want to ruin anything. I want you to read it. And, um, and I'm so excited to get, uh, you know, those of you who are out there in the clinical arena, like, um, I'm really excited to hear your feedback about what you think um, and, you know, where we could maybe go with this um, and ask some additional really good questions. Well, and, that, and that's good. I, you know, I, I joked with you beforehand, you know, there's always the challenge when we talk about, you know, something that's coming out in Jen or, you know, a speaker coming up at an event. We want to give them just enough so that they want to go and jump into it and, and read it or check out those presentations. So, you know, I appreciate the discretion there and not, you know, spoiling the ending, so to speak. But, you know, one of the things I, I did want to ask you about, so from the moment where you're like, you know, this moment of, all right, you know, I, I've, I've got some opportunity now, you know, through a grant and to go forth and do this work. But then there's the work, right? You know, what, 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 did, what did that entail? Because, you know, we talked four years ago, and now this is, you know, being published in 2021. Um, really, what, what is sort of the snapshot for you of what all that entails to put together something that one, you're so passionate about, and you got to have a team that helps you pursue yeah. that passion, right? But also, um, you know, to really you know, be so deep into it and going, wow, you know, you're either learning as you go, but you're also, how am I going to put this into a form so that, um, you know, you can be published? I mean, there's a lot to all that, right? Yeah, yeah. It, um, it doesn't happen overnight, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, like, like many people, I'm kind of, okay, let's go. And it really does take um, perseverance um, and patience um, and tenacity. So, um, so I, I was the grant recipient um, and I got the funding and, um, but before that, um, you know, it's, it's a process, right? So, in, and for me, it was uh, funding my dissertation work and I was in school. So I had to go through comprehensive examination. I had to prepare my, um, my proposal that had to go through a preliminary defense with my entire, you know, um, committee. So I had six different people, you know, littering me with questions and I had to defend this and why was this okay? It had to go to our institutional review board. Actually, I had to go to two different institutional review boards and the um, National Institutes of Health um, to make sure that this was Safe, that I wasn't going to be inadvertently introducing some kind of risk to participants. Because not only did I do this piece, which is coming out in Gen, but I also um, individually interviewed women <clears throat> across a year and, um, and obtained information from them about their experiences. So I didn't want to you know, cause somebody harm. Um, so that all that had to get done and approved. And then I got 
I submitted for all these, you know, for, for the grant, I got the grant. Um, and then I had to embark on the study. For the article that's coming out, I also had to learn how to write code. Now, my brother is a computer programmer and he's great. That's not necessarily my forte, but you know, I, I mean, again, I'm living proof that you can do it. Um, so again, I got my team together and I'm not going for biostats guys. Okay. So, you know, I take my, all my biostats class and I have my friend and helping me. And I learned how to write computer code in Stata to then be able to take the data from this national data set and then crunch those numbers um, in, in a variety of ways um, and be able to then have some meaningful output that hopefully will be helpful to those on the front lines um, who are providing care. Give you an idea of where the demographics look like, what kind of areas of the country tend to see this or, or are reporting it and coding it more often. Um, you know, and what are, what are some of the, you know, the considerations that we want to have to, and what are some of the limitations? Every research study has some kind of limitations. So then all that's done. I do my final defense. I have to write up my almost 200 pages of a dissertation. And then from that comes the, the articles, submitting to Jen, having it peer reviewed, getting feedback, having to, again, respond to that, make edits within the, uh, the manuscript, which makes it really better and more, even more robust. And then to finally get it to, to publication in print. It's, it's magical when it finally happens, but it does take time. So when you when you get to that moment where you see it in print, you know, um, does your mind kind of race back to the beginning, you know, of all of this, and and you're like, wow, what a what a journey this was, or does it does it kind of light the fires, like, okay, so what can I do next, or are you like, okay, you know, I I went through all that and I learned a lot, but I want to see what the fruits of this particular research, what can what what we can see comes from it, like you said, you know, what kind of feedback, what. What can be different, or what can we, um, you know, at, you know, in an ED, what can we take away from this? So, is that are you sort of in the let's let's see how it goes, or are you thinking about what's next when it comes to research or or this topic in particular? Yeah, I think like like uh, most of my uh, my my ED nurse and friends, um, I'm multitasking, right? <laughs> so it's a little of everything that you sure. just said. Um, it's a little bit of um, you know, I, I am excited and interested to get, um, you know, practitioners and other researchers who are interested in this area, get your feedback on it. Um, I'm also working on, you know, a couple of other uh, manuscripts coming out of that work, um, again, to be able to inform us going forward. Um, and then, you know, um, partnering with some other uh, research teams to um, think about, okay, well, how does, how can this information um, and then maybe some of their other projects uh, work together and get some synergy going there. Um, in addition to all of my other interest areas in teaching, because now I'm like you had mentioned before, Dan, I'm on um, faculty at the School of Nursing here. Um, at Johns Hopkins and, um, and working with uh, CNS students, uh, the next generation um, going out there. 
um, and taking the world by storm. So I have a lot on my plate, but this is, you know, it really is near and dear to my heart, all of this work. Um, I'll continue it. It's a, um, it's an important area. Uh, it, not just this, not just for strangulation, for, for violence in general, you know, in our society. And to what extent, you know, can each one of us help to make it a, a better place? And whether that's at the front lines and caring one-on-one -on -one for, for you know, patients and those who come to us for care, um, those of us who are looking at policy, those of us who are looking at you know, research, um, evidence-based practice, um, how we approach folks, um, how we code, how do we, and how do we keep them safe in an electronic type of environment too, where their information isn't necessarily gonna be compromised somehow. So there are a lot of ways we can do it. This is just, you know, my one um, humble, uh, um, you know, attempt at that. And uh, I, I, I am grateful. I'm so grateful for the ENA Foundation and their support of this work and their, um, like you said, you know, actually seeing it as important um, and recognizing that. And then for Jen um, and the journal for all of their support in, uh, in helping to get this, um, this information out to all of you. And, and you get to you know, sort of be the, you know, uh, people really do win sort of thing in quotes because, you know, it's somebody who goes through all the work to apply for a grant, receives it, but then to here's to show what's come of it on the, the other end. I think that's, a, um, you know, as somebody who, as you said, you know, research, maybe not so much what you thought was your thing, but to go yeah. through the whole process shows that, you know, anybody has the ability to do it. And you know, the topic may just be what's what's in your heart or what you're most passionate about or just something that you've seen from your own experiences. So um, before I, I, we talked all this time about it, but we didn't actually mention the name of uh, the piece that is in uh, the May issue of the journal. It is United States ED Visits by Adult Women for Non-Fatal Intimate Partner Strangulation 2006 to 2014, Prevalence and Associated Characteristics. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, people who are flipping through their, their May issue of Jen, uh, if they don't see your name, they can find the title, you know, certainly just in that table of contents, they'll find you one way or another in the issue. One other thing I wanted to ask you about through all of this um, as well, you talk about all the things that you're doing, but you've spoken, you know, quite regularly at the national and the regional level on this topic. Um, same question as I started with when it comes to research, did you envision yourself as somebody who would have the opportunity? Would you have been, were you somebody who wanted to seek out those opportunities to go and uh, speak to the variety of audiences that you have on this topic and continue to build awareness around um, what you observed, but also what your work was. Because I, I believe a lot of those were happening as you were doing this 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 research. So, um, you know, I, that's just something else that was kind of curious in my mind about, you know, going out and doing those sorts of presentations and taking that step and getting in front of audiences where you're getting instant feedback about whether they think you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you do. Um, no, I I can't say that I, um, uh, I I I am not necessarily somebody that like just gravitates to presenting. Um, I started out um, again working at an academic medical center. Sometimes you get um, opportunities to do that kind of work. So started out with poster presentations and, and you know that type of. Um, uh, uh, interaction and then slowly kind of built into um, presenting on, um, you know, a larger regional scale and national scale and, and even international. Um, 
And, um, and one of my uh, wonderful um, friends and mentors, uh, Dr. Jackie Campbell, and I would say, I'm so, I'm so nervous. I don't think I can do this. And she'll, she would just say, look, here's the thing. It's not about you. It really truly isn't about you. It is about the information that you have that you are sharing with others so that they can then take that information and based on their practice, their environment, their populations, um, they then can translate that um, and hopefully use it and share it themselves and keep you know, that cycle going. And so having to somehow kind of step away from this isn't, this isn't about me and whether or not they like my hair and they like, you know, whatever, my smile, um, but really focus on the message and the content and sharing. Because um, again, you know, we are in a very, very dynamic healthcare environment. Um, and of course, you know, COVID just sort of really brought that to the forefront. <laughs> But every day, I mean, COVID is like one thing, you know, in the ED, anything can happen at any time. Um, and you want to have cutting edge information. Um, you know, what, what do we know now? What is most current? Um, and, and so it's not only something that, you know, is, is good to do, but it's really a responsibility that we all have as we're learning and growing together that we need to share um, that with each other. And so not only from a presentation perspective, but also through, you know, writing and, and journal articles, there's a variety of ways that you can share. Um, and I've, I've just been really, really lucky in having, you know, the platforms to be able to do that in different ways. Well, you said the magic word sharing. I mean, that's the opportunity that we, we try to provide when it comes to the podcast, giving, uh, you know, people an opportunity to share whatever their expertise or share their experiences uh, to not just the ENA audience, but anybody uh, who is listening to the podcast who has an interest in emergency nursing or just the topics that we talk about. So, uh, you know, it's not as quite as big as being published in the journal or presenting in, you know, at, at large national conferences, but the podcast in its own way, we appreciate, you know, the opportunity that, uh, you know, to have you here to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, the article, talk about your experience and really, you know, the, the passion that's in your voice about, you know, all these opportunities that maybe you never expected to take part in that you've really, you know, clasped onto and have, have run with it. So, um, you know, Michelle Patch, we appreciate you, uh, you taking some time today to be a part of the ENA podcast. And uh, as mentioned, you can find her in the May issue of the Journal of Emergency Nursing. Michelle, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Dan. And thanks to the listeners. I appreciate it. So that'll do it for this episode of the ENA podcast. Uh, as always, uh, we appreciate everyone who uh, takes the time to download and listen, whether you're in the car, you're uh, at the gym, or you're taking a little bit of a break from whatever's going on in the world to, uh, to catch up on what ENA and the podcast have to offer. With that, uh, this is Dan Campana. We, uh, we thank you for being here and we welcome you to come back and join us for the next episode real soon.